Jake, only my mother calls me Calvin. I am your mother now, Calvin. Welcome to CageCast, the podcast that joyfully dissects the filmography of one of America's most unique and engaging leading men, Nicolas Cage. I'm Nate Porter, and with me is my trusty co-pilot, Britt Porter. hey How are you doing tonight? I could not be better myself, and you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited to talk about Firebirds. Oh, me too. But before that, how does CageCast work? Well, let me tell you about CageCast. Here is how CageCast works. We are in the process of watching every Nicolas Cage film in order according to the film's release date. We'll be reviewing every film in which Nicolas Cage had either a starring role or an integral supporting role. This week, we'll be discussing the 1990 film Firebirds. That's right, we will. We will break down the film's plot and themes, and then afterward, we rate the film on a scale of 0 to 4 stars in three different categories. The film as entertainment, the film as art, and then in terms of Cage's performance. Last episode, our cumulative score for, what was that? Oh, yeah, Wild at Heart was a 17.5, which Woo! puts it, yes, exactly, Ow! which puts it in third place of the movies we've seen so far, I believe, after Raising Arizona and Vampire's Kiss. Nice. Yes. Nice. Um, will Firebirds take the top spot? I can't even, <laughs> can't even hardly say it with a straight face. Uh, you'll have to listen to find out. As a quick reminder, we do not share our scores with each other before the show. We round out the show with our patented cage cast running totals rapid fire questionnaire. When is the patent office going to mail us that patent? Well, Speaking they're of- they're behind. They're behind right now because of um, Obama. Oh yeah, and the um, and the thing that he did the taxes on the day and the health care mm-hmm. and the uh, they're they're looking for his um from birth, that state that birth, senator birth certificate. Mm-hmm. So they said we weren't a priority, which I say is BS, man. That's right. All right, we have we have to corner the market on the cage cast running totals rapid fire questionnaire before someone else does. Hey, Britt. What? Guess what? What? We have a guest. Sweet. That's right. Where is he? Well, he's sitting right here in the plush corporate office of uh, the oh, Cagecast right. podcast. Hey, uh, hello. My name is Ben. Ben, come here to hang out with these lovely hey, awesome Ben. People. Hey, Ben is our uh, our good friend, but he actually is here for a reason. Uh, ben, why are you here to talk about this movie? Well, it seems I am the resident subject matter expert on all things military, and uh, therefore. Uh, I have come to try and teach you the ways of how to properly make a military-style film. I guess so. Uh, that is, he's not putting on an affectation. He's actually that dull in real life. But no, but seriously, <laughs> were you you were in the you were in the Air Force, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I was. So you have a little bit of you're a little bit more familiarity with this uh, type of aircraft, and uh, somewhat, yeah. I worked on fighter jets, but uh, you know, I think I can kind of see some of the. I don't know, similarities there. Yeah. Um, And what's the other reason you're here? Uh, Because Firebirds held such a 
near and dear place in my heart oh, as a young man. child, a young boy. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had to relive those moments of yes. excellence and glory. Yes, you, know? you sure did. And you couldn't have picked a better crowd to relive those moments with, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Ben, what's your overall take on Nick Cage and his overall filmography? You know, when I think back to the different types of films that I've seen Nick Cage in, uh, I think that I always think of him in, in the kind of key roles we remember as kids, you know, Face Off and, and you know, The Rock and, and all these kind of action flicks, you know. I, I don't think, when I was growing up, I don't think I remember him in anything but action, you know. And uh, so that's what I see him as, you know. Now, I mean, I can think of all the, the you know, later films that he's been in, some of the, some of the greats and some of the not-so-greats. But, uh, you know, when I think of, you know, back in the 90s, I think of only Action Cage. You don't have to say you're a fan. <laughs> I would say I'm a fan of Nick Cage. I mean, you know, barring all of the, the films you could throw out the window, there is some great Nick Cage films that are just fun to watch, you know. Ooh, Firebirds was originally titled Wings of the Apache, and it was released in 1990, directed by David Green. Who really hasn't done anything else with his career. This was really, this was the high point, and that's not saying much. That's not saying much. (laughs) Um, Do we know the budget box office on this, Nate? I think it was around... Oh, here we go. And it grossed a modest fourteen million seven hundred and sixty thousand. I think this opened up the same weekend as Back to the Future Three, and so I know where I was oh, on yeah. that weekend. I was watching Doc Brown. Yeah, you were in the old west. Yeah, you were. I think there were a few people watching Firebirds. Just a few, though. A small few. A small few. Yeah. Notable co-stars. Really, there's only two, and those people would be dun 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 Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> <laughs> another another blooper uh, <laughs> cutting that out um, Tommy Lee Jones as Tommy Lee Jones as Tommy Lee Jones that's there right. we go Tommy and Lee Jones reprises his successful character Tommy Lee Jones that's right in the movie but he does it so well and Sean Young too who was in I mean a lot of stuff Stripes hold oh, on I think she was the main Blade Runner she was the girl in Blade Runner. What? Yeah. She was in Dune. She was in Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend, which is that little Brontosaurus movie that I loved as a kid. So she was in a lot. She was uh, had a little bit part in Wall Street. She had a healthy 80s career. It makes trying. sense, though. You know, in Blade Runner, she was she was so robotic, right? She was she was actually a cyborg in it actually, Blade Runner. It actually would have worked well in that scenario. I remember her most from Ace Ventura Pet Detective as Lieutenant Louis Einhorn. Oh, yes. <laughs> And we all know how that turned out for her. Or him. Or him. Yeah. Laces laces out. Laces everyone. out. Laces out. If we can agree, if we if you take one thing from from this podcast, laces out. The cage genre that we're dealing with tonight is a new one for us here at Cagecast. We're very excited to premiere the debut of Action Cage. I think it's funny because most people would actually associate Nicolas Cage with action movies. I would say most most people would do that, but this really is his first foray into that. We haven't seen him take on a role like this ever before, not that I can think of. No, not so far in the history of our podcast. He's played a lot of lovably dopey, and we all know how well he can do batshit crazy cage, but this is our first foray into action cage, and I'm excited 
I'm excited that we've hit this point. I can't wait to see more. Uh, I think, as we know, there's more coming, and it gets better. So, yeah, we, we just dipped a, a toe in the pool of Action Cage tonight, and man... The water felt real warm. Water's it, felt good. It can only go up from here, really. I mean, it, it it was just the starting point. All right, with all the pleasantries out of the way. Screw we, pleasantries. There we go. <laughs> we will uh, be right back after this song from the Firebird soundtrack. Take it away, Phil Collins. Plot synopsis, here is Brit. Thank you. Here we go. A joint task force operation between the Drug Enforcement Administration and the U.S. Army has been formed to dismantle one of the largest drug cartels operating in South America. Multiple attempts to assault the cartel's mountainous compound have been thwarted by a scorpion attack helicopter piloted by a cartel leader, Eric Stoller. After having several aircraft shot down, most notably a pair of UH-60 Blackhawks and their AH-1 Cobra escorts, the Army turns to the new AH-64 Apache attack helicopter. Uh, yeah, they do. Which can match its enemy's maneuverability and firepower. Why weren't they using it in the first place if it could match their enemies? It's new, darling. Whatever, Keep whatever. going. Keep reading. Pilot Jake Preston is subsequently enlisted in the Apache Air-to-Air Combat Training Program. Earlier, Preston was the sole survivor of a previous air attack by Stoller. Upon arrival at the training course, he encounters his ex-girlfriend, Billy Lee Guthrie, who broke off their relationship to pursue a separate career flying OH-58 Kiowa Scout helicopters, which often work alongside the This is a very detailed plot synopsis. (laughs) Thank you. Jake's arrogance and loose improvised style quickly earn him the mixed respect and chagrin of veteran pilot and flight instructor Brad Little. During the training schedule, Preston is revealed to be suffering from an eye-dominance disability which makes it difficult for him to utilize the Apache's visual input. Using an unconventional but effective training method, Little helps Preston deal with his handicap. A formation of military aircraft consisting of four Apaches and Guthrie's Kiowa flies down to South America to provide air support for a DEA mission to hunt down and arrest drug cartel leaders. However, they are soon attacked at their base camp and one Apache is destroyed. With another Apache left to protect the DEA personnel, Preston, Little, and Guthrie attempt to seek out Stoller. They locate his position, as well as a pair of Draken jet fighter aircraft who are also protecting the cartel. Little destroys one aircraft, but is shot down in aerial combat by Stoller. He survives, but his Apache is disabled. Stoller later targets Guthrie, but Preston reaches their coordinates and engages him in a fierce dogfight. Using the Apache's maneuverability near a mountainous peak, 
Preston manages to trick Stoller into flying past him, then attacks and destroys his helicopter! Meanwhile, Guthrie uses one of the Stinger missiles on board Little's downed Apache to destroy the remaining enemy aircraft. With no air support, the cartel's defenses cease and their leaders are later apprehended. As an injured Little is loaded onto a medevac helicopter, he expresses pride in both Preston and Guthrie. And America. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that that was a great yeah. plot. Hell yeah. Wow. All right. Absolutely Excellent Okay, Firebirds. Here we go, All man. Right. What a film, oh. in my opinion. What a gr- I almost oh. said great. What a film. <laughs> oh my gosh. We start off this movie with about two full minutes of slow motion Apache helicopters in front of a in front of a rising sun. It's I mean it's a brilliant sequence. <laughs> it's so and long. it just keeps going it's on so and on and on. And, and they just we, we realize they're coming closer to the camera. When they let me let me just interject real quick cuz I think you know, I remember as a kid watching this film, actually. And, you know, as a kid, as a, I, I think I was eight or nine when this, when this movie came out. All of my friends thought that this film was amazing. Now, where did you see it? Did you see it in the theater? or I don't think I saw it in the theater. I think, I think we probably saw it uh, when it came out on video, on VHS, actually. That opening sequence for us, oh... We just mind blown. mind blown the the Apache helicopter, the greatest aircraft in the history of mankind. We just as kids, this was our lifelong dream was to fly the Apache. And so seeing this aircraft, I think we we love this flick. I watched it so many times with with my friends and uh, actually, funny enough, one of my friends did wind up going off to become an Apache pilot. He flies the Apache right now. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild. I mean, can we all agree in this room that the Apache is a pretty amazing aeronautical advance? <laughs> I, I mean, think. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Thank you. Britt, do you have any history with this movie? I don't. I This was, I went in eyes wide open on this one. Well, not uh, not yeah. jaded and cynical. That's good. I didn't I didn't I had never heard of it either. Um, the only thing I could I could kind of piece together before going in was it seemed like a little bit of a Top Gun ripoff, and I think we can we can probably talk about that. I, I, if I could say something good about the movie, I do like how they kind of couched it in this idea of we're going to take down the drug cartels. The movie actually opens with a quote from uh, Bush 41 George Bush Bush Sr., and I'm going to read it real quick. Our message to the drug cartels is this. The rules have changed. We We will help any government that wants our help. When requested, we will for the first time make available the appropriate resources of America's armed forces. Yeah, we will. Very eloquently said, I think. But this is real life, man. I think um, if we go back to this time, I mean, crack and cocaine was pretty bad pretty bad right and i mean that was a thing <laughs> that was a thing i don't, I, I don't like, know if that's changed nate no i don't think <laughs> something i mean the I last time like, i checked it's still pretty bad no i feel like so, crack has lost the sexy has it's factor lost, it's lost its sheen yeah it's not the flashy you know drug that meth is now for example oh well but back then all right well um i do like that i like any of these movies um clear and present danger was another one in this kind of era about the united states and the war on drugs and you can get into however you feel politically about that stuff but i i think it was a good 
setting in which to couch a movie about Apache helicopters, I'm just not let's, sure how well they executed that. Let's vision. let's let's say it how it is. It was it was bad. It was it was enjoyable oh, to watch. Oh, Ben, don't show your hand. All right. <laughs> we'll get there, Ben. We'll get there. All right. So first off, we see our you know our hero. Oh yeah, right he's, away. He's in the movie immediately. And very looking very serious. Right. He's looking good. He I is. think. We're coming off of Wild at Heart and uh, Vampire's Kiss and Time to Kill, and he's ready to make some action movies, and I think he picked a good genre of action movie to get into, but man, something just, it really wasn't working from the start, and I think for me, it was his lack of charisma. One thing about Top Gun that worked so well is, man, you thought Maverick was just the coolest, and this guy is not cool. Yeah, the first, what, two or three minutes opening after the the George Bush quote is this scene where our hero, Nicolas Cage, who's playing Jake Preston, is in this dogfight in the air with this unknown black helicopter. And anyway, he's there with two other helicopters and they both get shot down and he's the sole survivor. And it's supposed to be this like very traumatizing he has some flashbacks later that are supposed to be so burdensome to him. His reactions are very wooden. I mean, he's supposed to be with these guys that the voiceover tells us he's been on four different missions with and they work well together as a team. And then they're all blown up in like two minutes. And he's just like, what? What? <laughs> it's just so, wow. yeah. And Nick, I mean, you know, he's he's got this blank expression on his yes. face. It is, it is like... I don't know. It's either like he's totally bored or he just completely is just blank. Yeah. And I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like we we go to this like little joint chief session kind of thing or like a debrief where they're trying to figure out what to do next. May I say something, sir? Go ahead. I volunteered to fly with these local anti-drug forces, sir. And I watched the men in those choppers put their lives on the line for their families and their country every day. Cartel has them outpaid, outmanned, and outgunned. But knowing that, they still went out. They didn't stand a chance. They're heroes, and they should be avenged. It's a little more complicated than that. I beg your pardon, sir, but I think it's very simple. They killed our people, and they killed our friends. Their drugs kill Americans every day. It's a war. And it's our duty to fight. And they're interviewing him about this um, firefight. And he was very wooden, very bland, dead in the eyes. And I thought, well, hmm, maybe Cage is just playing it that way because he's um, you know, he's a military man. He's not supposed to show emotion. And so we're later we're gonna get we're gonna get the real character out of this. And man, I think he does loosen up a little bit, but the kind of the kind of fire behind the eyes and the really exciting things that we've seen Nick Cage do just don't exist in this movie. He gives a very erratic performance throughout. I mean, he's very sort of dead inside eyes for a good 20 at least 20 or 30 minutes of the first part of the movie and then he does loosen up but it's so weird it's so disjointed and out of place in the scenes and and I think he at some points he's trying to convey arrogance but it doesn't come off he's just goofy it's like he can't get his mojo he can't pull the right tools out of his actor's toolbox that he's so obviously been cultivating in some of these earlier films he just can't make it all click 
he's trying to capture what it's like to be in the military. Maybe like you said, he's, he's trying to figure out, okay, Hey, is, is there a, a coldness in there? Uh, but the truth is, is that, you know, I mean, in the military, you know, people are just like everybody else, you know, and the way they respond, the way they act to things, they act, you know, like, like, you know, other people do. Uh, so I think you just, you just don't really see that connection that, you know, he, he doesn't have any understanding or any real, you know, thought process. And maybe part of that is because of the direction he's receiving. Yeah. And I think right now I can just state that I was not a fan of the way this movie was directed and edited. What I will give it credit for is I think some of the shots, especially some of the shots of the helicopter and some of the aerial battles are really good. I think I read that the same visual consultant that did Top Gun actually also did this movie. And I think that does show. And I did like a lot of the um, the shots and the aerial battles. But, uh, man, I the pacing of this movie, the, the editing just did not work for me at all. It did not help at all. And aside from Tommy Lee Jones, I mean, very little was shown, I think, on the acting front. So, really, the movie doesn't get interesting to me until we see Tommy Lee Jones appear. And that happens about, I don't know, 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, maybe. Tommy. And he shows up as Brad Little, and he is a veteran pilot and flight instructor. And so his job is to get all of these young bucks ready for Apache combat training so they can go take down the big bad drug cartels. But he's Tommy Lee Jones. He's great. I mean, he never ages. He's like the, he's like the Dick Clark of film. Well, he yeah. came, he came out of the womb looking fifty three. Yeah, we were talking. Right. He had he had those wrinkles from birth, and yeah. uh, you know he's just held on to them. And he plays pretty much himself in every movie, but it's great. It's he has honed his skills. He is just great he does he, tommy very well i gotta say tommy lee jones does tommy lee jones very well i would you know? dare say that he does tommy lee jones better than anyone else does tommy lee jones yeah i i gotta second that i I'm don't gonna, think I'm anybody else up, could do yeah, tommy lee jones going out on like a tommy limb lee here. jones but as bland as nick cage is to watch in this movie the opposite of that in my opinion was tommy lee jones every time he's on the screen i'm interested i want to know what he's saying you know, the fun thing about Tommy Lee Jones in this film as well is that the writers give him some really fantastic one-liners. And this new objective is to become masters of air-to-air combat tactics. When we have mastered these tactics, we will use them to seek out and confront the forces of evil and kill them dead or in hell. You will fight as teams of gunners and pilots, each more dependent on the other than they were their own mama. Well, don't worry about it, boys. It's only a video game. None of this is real. It's just a big toy the army built for your personal amusement while you're having so much fun. Try to make believe they just notified you next to camp. Your instincts and reflexes are so damn good you remind me of me 20 years ago. Well, technically this is bullshit, but when I couldn't pass the bag, it cured me. Of course, if we wanted to make you look like a total jackass, this would work just fine for that. Don't drop me. No, sir! Oh! Christ! You drop me, it'll be the end of life as you've come to know it in a U.S. Army trooper. Sir! And really fantastic. Really great ones. And so, and we'll, he, and we'll have to intersperse them we'll, yeah. uh, throughout this uh, commentary because, I mean, man. He, it's true. And he, only he can really pull them off and he says them like so deadpan and just they come rolling off his tongue like he's been chewing on them all day long. Oh, they're quite enjoyable. And we get a lot of scenes of the two of them interacting. I was actually surprised how much one-on-one time that Tommy Lee Jones and Nick Cage had in this movie. Um, I mean, various scenes of training and boxing and all these different scenes. It re- really was kind of their movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, again, you know, we love our hero, Nicolas Cage. This is not his best, not his best work. And when he's on screen with Tommy Lee and they are sharing a moment, having a, a 
scene of dialogue together, it's a little bit painful the way that Nicolas Cage is sort of given nothing. I mean, and, and when he does, it's really laughably shallow. I mean, there's a few scenes. There's one scene in particular where, you know, Tommy Lee comes in and he's doing training with his crew and we get several scenes of them you know, in various parts, they're in classrooms and they're walking between corridors, having meetings. But in one case, Jake Preston and another, his co-pilot, go into this very high-tech, large black... Oh, yes. Grab the quarters. Va- ...video game sort of <laughs> simulator to, to practice. Which had to be awesome in 1990. It had to be so great. Oh, yeah. It looked like cutting edge. I mean, state-of-the-art tech, you know... Britt, what struck you about that scene? Well, so the whole idea is that Jake Preston and his co-pilot are in here and they're going to practice some simulations for maneuvers. And at first he starts out really well and Brad Little is monitoring him kind of out in an outside room where they have communication and video. And he's doing well initially and they keep dialing up the heat and dialing up the heat and he's like, bring it all, give it all. And I am the greatest. I am the greatest! I am the greatest! I am the greatest! I am the greatest! Uh, Sergeant Craig's up, Zilla. Muscles on him, smoke one fast mover. Shoot him, blast him, nab him, grab him, shake him, bake him, cook him, clean him, pose him, boil him, kick him, nab him, twist him, run Oh, God, bye-bye! Yes, and, um, I, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. I am the greatest. I am the greatest. I'm the greatest. I am the greatest. So that all happens, and it's just, I mean, it's just hilarious. And then, you know, Brad. Actually, that's the, that's almost the Nick Cageiest we see this character. And it's for about 20 seconds, and at least was super entertaining. Yeah. Oh. I mean, this is. If if he sort of played the whole movie slightly campy, there might actually be something more valuable there. But it was so it was that interspersed with like dead inside eyes, and then it was so erratic. You know, a couple was, of attempts was... at genuine acting. It felt like to me later. It was it it he was all over the place. Well, the problem is this is a B movie, and he was trying to play it straight. He was trying to be Tom Cruise in Top Gun, and he just he just got outshined. It's just so sad. What what infuriates me, what really hurts my heart about Nick Cage is we have seen him act against Sean Penn. We have seen him act against an incredible Matthew Modine and Birdie. Even Laura Dern in Wild at Heart. He was great. So what is different with this movie? What is he thinking? Is it his fault? Is it the direction? What is different? Because this is why he gets a bad rap because he will turn in a great performance one movie and the next look like the worst actor of all time. I kind of want to chalk it up to a bad director because we've seen that with him in the past. We've- yeah, I think you're right. I mean, think about it. Last week, David Lynch, great performance. Um, Francis Ford Coppola with Peggy Sue Got Married, great performance, in my opinion. Um, the the Coen brothers, Raising Arizona, great performance. Movies like Time to Kill uh, and movies like this one, no-name directors without really much pedigree or, or work under their belt, I don't think they get out of cage what he can give and well, i think we're even seeing that with with uh the, his later movies that we're experiencing these days and you can see i mean you, not only the directing but also i think in the, the the writing you know when when you're an actor and and you're given uh the kind of writing that is in this movie i think you you know instantly what you're working with 
I agree with you, but that I don't feel like that holds with Tommy Lee Jones. Even cheesy lines, I feel like he sells them. And some of the little rants he goes on, unless they were totally improvised, I don't think they were. I mean, I think some of those are... They play into the strengths of this movie, this B movie, this kind of cheesy, corny, rah rah, go America movie, and 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 some of them really work for me, especially with Tommy Lee Jones. But man, everything Cage tries, except for a couple little scenes, falls flat. There's one scene in particular that we'll talk about that is just the worst. So to continue, there's a lot of time spent on the base where there's lots of training and lots of different scenes we see that sort of give us this, you know, idea that they're going through school. For my part, I would say that it is extremely slow paced. I get that they sort of want to show us the fullness of this experience, maybe for Jake Preston and his buddies. Britt, you know my favorite part about being on base? What, Nate? The romance. Sean Young, wow. Oh, man. We haven't talked about her yet. Holy cow. We meet her at some point in the training course. Well, we think that she's just some good-for-nothing woman pilot, right? She's a pilot. She is a part of this ragtag outfit. She's not just some government... Affirmative action woman. So we first meet her and we think she's just some other pilot and... You know, of course, our buddy Jake gives her gives us like the worst um, introduction to her ever, where he's like basically practically rubbing up against her as soon as he sees her and it won't look over hand. So awkward. So weird. It right? was it was extremely awkward that start, and you're just going, "Is there a history here, or is this the first time they're meeting?" And he's treating her very, very odd. I mean, and no chemistry at all. Billy Lee Guthrie. I think I've heard of you. How you doing? I do fine. How about a drink this evening? Uh, Jake, not a chance. Not a chance. Do you have a problem with women in the Army, Preston? Not with all of them, sir. Just that one. There's like, they're in uniform at work, and he's just sort of being sleazy. It felt weird to me, too. I thought it was strange. We find out later... When she's doing her laundry on base. Oh my! Yeah, the laundry scene. The that laundry was, is scene. pretty. Is pretty. As a, um, I'll say this: I'm a red-blooded American man, but that was pretty brutal to watch. Oh, it was so yeah. bad. Yeah, the be- hair. Yeah, the, I think yeah. beauty standards were different in the early '90s. So we find out in that scene that they are, have actually been an item before, and that she has kind of ended things because she wanted to go, you know, get her. Kiowat training, her scout helicopter training, and so they've been on again, off again, mostly off again, and she, he's real keen to start right back up where they left off, and she kind of wants nothing to do with him, but it's, again, it, there's no chemistry, it's very awkward. She's not irritated, but she's not flirtatious either. It's so weird. So, was it worth the price? What price? Us. Remember? Yeah, I remember. That's all behind us now. And, you know, it it comes across that he wanted her to stay at home and, and make babies, and, and that was it. But, but honestly, we get all that from just stilted, stupid dialogue. There's no subtlety. There's no actual, like, flame in their eyes. There's no romance here. It's just silly and dumb and very juvenile and very poorly edited, too, because... From one scene to another, she might hate him or love him or like kind of 
come on to his advances or or push him away and there's really zero consistency there's, i mean that makes sense because that is that is women pretty much in my experience but generally speaking for a movie i would make a different artistic choice i mean there's some there's some points where it's kind of flat out creepy the way that cage acts in in response to her and uh, you know, with the eyes and and I just the the body posture, it's like this is just weird. <laughs> what I did like, I did like Ben though. I did like that he thought that he could just like look into her eyes, like stare her down, basically, like do a <laughs> stare contest. Uh, me man, you woman, I am not Jane of the Jungle. I thought it was kind of cavalier myself. Jake. I think you want me to stay home and have babies and cook. Well, I, I mean, I did. Well, what's wrong with babies and cooking, Billy? I, I mean, it's a tradition. My mother did that. Your mother didn't fly helicopters. Too many things haven't changed. You're right, Billy Lee. She never flew helicopters. What else hasn't changed? We fight all the time. We always make up. Because I always wanted to. You still care about me, don't you? And then wiggle his eyebrows, uh, which were not shorn, by the way, at all. Very much a unibrow going on here. And he thought that just like looking, just look at me. You still love me, don't you? You still care about me, don't you? Uh, it, it. Uh, I think he thought it would win her over, but she wasn't having any of it until inexplicably she does have it. It makes no sense. It's just the right point in the film, though, Nate. You forgot about that. Like, oh, you know, the it, film, it, right? The film, right, yeah. the, the movie has gone on for so long that they finally need to actually let them come together. It's time. Know? Yes. Well, let's jump in ahead, boys. We got some. We got some Eric Stoller to talk about. Okay, now who is Eric Stoller? So periodically throughout this arduous training process that we are invited to participate in, simply by watching the film. We find out that Eric Stoller is our prime suspect target number one. He is the kingpin drug cartel guy. And they, they intersperse these long training scenes with even worse scenes of a nondescript general sitting in a room alone talking to another nondescript general on a TV screen while he's being shown grainy black and white slideshow pictures of this of these random this random guy and you can tell that the whole point of this is to build some sort of intrigue or drama to get us hooked into this bad guy and to create you know tension or centered around a one character that they can tangibly destroy but it's so badly done so three things about eric stoller hell of a pilot hired gun for sale okay so he has no allegiances he doesn't love crack he's not on the pro crack bandwagon he will just kill with the proceeds okay and i i do have to say this worst bad guy name ever sounds like your neighbor or your uh, kindergarten teacher (laughs) eric stoller uh however sweet beard right oh yeah well well quaffed i think we saw photos of the director and we thought that Eric Stoller was the director, in yeah. fact. We did. We thought David um, Green But I don't think, I don't think he was. I don't think David Green was actually. No, no. I think um, it would have been better if... No. Anyway, yeah. So I, you kind of see what they're doing here. They're trying to make this personal as like Eric Stoller is the guy that is killing all your drugs. buddies. But here's the deal. Like, it's really weird because they'll be in very intense air battles and not refer to the enemy or the bogey or the you know enemy pilot they will refer to him by name eric stoller has has fired upon you (laughs) he just it's never it's stoller it's stoller it's always it's eric stoller it's like the first and last name together 
have to be spoken at all times. Well, that is his name. I mean, there's, there is no short That's name. True. They've brought in Cuban arms, Cuban advisory team, and have hired this man, Eric Stoller. 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 Any word on Stoller? Stoller's. It's Stoller! Stoller's. That's not Stoller. Stoller's on our ass! Stoller. Every operation that the DEA and our South American allies has mounted has been blown away by Eric Stoller. Eric Stoller. One of the things just I wanted to mention on the uh, Eric Stoller thing again, right, is the fact that he's flying the Scorpion attack helicopter, which we as kids, we thought that that was just awesome, right? Like, okay, so there is something that can come against the uh, AH-46, you know, Apache. Uh, turns out that that is a complete fictional what? helicopter. No. Honestly, alert. honestly, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. I'm yeah, not no. kidding. It's, it's a fictional helicopter. It was actually like some... Uh, MD6, uh, just, you know, normal helicopter. They threw some cans on on the side for weapons and, and a little uh, sensor thing on it's the like front. The, the Channel 5 I I, I, I hate to spoil it to all of you out that there sucks. who are listening, uh, but yeah, unfortunately. The Scorpion was actually, I mean, it, it was menacing. I felt it. Yeah. No. And as kids, I, that was that was the deal. I mean, not to say that uh, you know you watching it now didn't. Fail. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I have a childlike heart. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. So let's get back to uh, to one of the better parts of the movie. Tommy Lee Jones. He, we meet him in a very interesting time in his life. He's turning forty years old. I, I don't know how old he was. Uh, when they shot this movie, if I had cared more, I could have looked that up, but I didn't. It, a little subplot of this movie is that he's feeling older. He's feeling his age. Uh, there's a there's a scene of him jogging, and everyone else is is passing him by and say, "Hey, Lieutenant, how's it going? How's it going, Sarge, or whatever he is." And uh, and he's he's winded. He can't run more than thirty or forty feet without having to stop. And uh, and and you can see that that there's this very heavy handed metaphor of the young whippersnapper coming against the old grizzled veteran and uh, kind of a passing of the torch. He seems to fight that for a few seconds and then kind of just accept it. Well, there's a couple of scenes, you know, first we see his birthday. So we kind of have that as the, uh, as the starting off point. And then, yeah, there's the scene where he's jogging. There's a scene where he, he's boxing and he sort of decides that he's going to try and take on Jake Preston in a few rounds there's also another very short scene where he's walking with, you know, obscure random general trying to convince him that he should go on this mission and not just be a trainer. So, you know, there are a few little scenes. And I am really sorry to have to say this, but that tiny subplot was almost more interesting to me than the whole big plot because Tommy Lee Jones is, yeah. does such a good job. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, it was focused on Tommy Lee Jones. I think, you know, that whole side, you actually wake up and you're like, oh, this is interesting. I'll watch, you know, yeah. I'll take a look. He doesn't overplay it. He doesn't overact it. It's all pretty subtle, but it's well done. So You know, he, he does that kind of cliched movie thing, but I think he does it well of he's pushing this guy harder than he would push anyone else. It's like, push push it to expert mode in the simulator. Like, are you crazy, Captain? No one could ever survive expert mode. And he's just like, do it. You know? And I think, and and it comes out later, you know, obviously Cage thinks it's because he, uh, he hates him or he wants it out of the program, even though nothing he says or does 
would indicate that. Um, actually, it's because he, he wants to push him and, and wants him to become the best possible pilot he could be. And I think ultimately Tommy Lee Jones is a good guy with uh, a cute little family. And I think he wants the best for Nick Cage and wants the best for the United States of America. Now, you mentioned uh, the boxing match a little bit, Britt. So they go they go to toe-to-toe. I think Tommy Lee Jones' character, Brad Little, uh, was some sort of amateur boxer uh, at, at Southeastern Arizona State University of Technology, which obviously doesn't exist either. I was shocked about that as well. And he challenges um, Preston to this fight, uh, this boxing match, and is quickly dispatched. And can we talk a little bit about the scene the next morning? What the hell is going on? Oh, yeah. Like... He gets up and he's wandering around aimlessly in the in the bedroom, and it seems like I, I you can't quite figure what he's trying to go for as far as you like, know. Seriously, the we were like, okay, concussion, possibly. Like he wasn't just saying, "Oh, I'm an old man and I'm sore." He was like, "There is something wrong with my brain." Nothing. My back's a little sore. No, but your face. <sighs> What'd you do to your eye? Mm-hmm. I hit it. With what? A two by four? No. Boxing a little down at the gym. Who with? Mike Tyson? Ha ha ha. How much time do I have? Uh, ten minutes. You want some cereal? No, no. I'll get something later. Okay. Are you sure you're okay? I'm fine. Okay. Just fine. I'm a little sore. Maybe I pulled a muscle or something. Are you sure? For God's sake, Janet, you think I have my dick shot off? Well, I better check, don't you think? Yeah, you better see it for yourself, darling. Yeah, it definitely seemed like he had come off of, you know, either a serious uh, drug, you know, induced, you know, situation the night before or whatnot. He is he is acting just totally obnoxious. You know what, though, Ben? He, man, he, uh, he, he pulls it out in the end, doesn't he? <laughs> Doesn't he? Oh. One of the slickest moves. Yeah, I know. He turns he turns all being near death into a quickie in the morning. Which yeah, was, he sure does. Wow, buddy. His wife comes in and they have this little tete a tete that results in in some some quick morning wake up sex that is quite hilarious. They as they fling themselves onto the bed in her acid wash jeans and sensible sneakers. Yeah, you know the most uh, the most unbelievable part of this movie is that that could even happen when they have like three kids at home. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. They have a little baby. They have like a newborn baby. She's probably not even medically capable. <laughs> I'm done. As they're training, there's always this looming fear of you know crack. And the drug cartel. <laughs> seriously, no, no. Cage the uh, looming crack. Cage, no, seriously. <laughs> Cage goes. No, crack. seriously. Cage. Whenever we forget what they're there for, Cage, like he'll go to a bar and he'll see news reports on TV of like graffiti on a on a on a South Central LA building that says "I can't live without crack." And I'm not not making this up. And so there's always these trainings. And you these, you these, may be making that up. I don't. I'll. You know. You didn't. You blinked and you missed it, but I'm not. I'm not even kidding. But the worst, an absolute worst. This might be the lowest I've seen Cage uh, in this retrospective series that we're doing. Is there's a training exercise between Preston and Billy Lee Guthrie, who is Sean Young, and it is just like two minutes of the worst sexual innuendo jokes back and forth, and none of them are funny. They all land incredibly flat. To prevent radio detection, we're set up with ATHS direct to your video display. 
I've got a display of your tail that is just mind-boggling. <laughs> you will need reconnaissance going into battle, Jake. For example, with our laser designator, we can paint your target while you're hidden in some canyon so you can nail it from cover without ever being seen. I'd love to nail it. Jake, where are you? I remember you like me on top. Jake, you've still got your brains in your cockpit. That's because it's easier to fly that way, honey. Loaded and ready to fire. Jake, we've both been there before when those guns just didn't go off. Don't worry about that, baby. Jake, let's get hold of ourselves. I've got a hold of myself. Good, then you don't need me. Have fun with yourselves, boys. I'm I was embarrassed for Cage then, and I am like, I he should still be embarrassed for his acting in that scene it was atrocious and it was very clear that the entire point of the scene was just to have this exchange like won't this no, be hilarious there, there's no like okay they have this and then we see them go do their training exercise we don't even get the satisfaction they hover in the air making terrible jokes and then we move on that's all that it is so there is there's a lot of that and a lot of poorly paced you know scenes in dance halls and a lot of you know, a couple minutes in the classroom with Tommy Lee and it's just goes on and on and on. And, it's and I feel like, it, it is I feel like the point of it is to be slowly building so that when we finally get to take down the drug cartels, it's a really big deal, but it's so badly done. It, it's you're so bored by the time you get there. You're, you're just kind of going, finally, there's something, you know, it, it takes forever to get us through all of that. And, and it, Again, if the point of it is to build some sort of anticipation to really make the end of the movie more savory, they fail miserably. I, you know, I really didn't like the romance story in this movie. It really fell flat. But we forget how the romance came about. It came about because of just the worst plot contrivance ever. Now, Cage is amazing. He's this wunderkind. Like, he is the, the best pilot anyone has ever seen. Except for when they force him to put on the computer goggles, right? Of And sit in the bag. And sit in the bag. Whatever. What, <laughs> let's not even get into the bag. Uh, but... He's the he's literally the best pilot ever until they make him wear a a little a little goggle piece. It's a monocle. It's, it's a, like the, yeah, I think they call it the monocle. And he is he literally turns into the worst pilot ever. He like is sweating bullets. There's like sweat running from his nose I can't, down I can't his do chin. it. I don't understand. He, What's going I'm on? I'm trying to focus. I, I, can't, I, I can't. I can't do it. I'm trying to turn. I'm trying to. I can't turn. Why? And it's like sweat is pouring down his face. He almost crashes and dies several times. And it is just, I'm like, well, why are they making him put on the monocle then? Yeah, that's true. What's the point? Well, what it's all, it's because the Apache is this is this very it's this high powered piece of machinery well you got to be able to i mean in the apache they use a system that actually ties in uh so that the the monocle basically allows them to be able to uh look through the gun that swivels and down at the uh at the at the front end of the helicopter right then yeah. this so, is why you're here yeah to explain oh, this right. to yeah, our, yeah, to yeah. our millions of <laughs> avid fans and listeners. so as so much as spend, i know right, exactly but we spend about we spend it, about but. what 20 minutes of this movie okay there's a problem he he freaks out in this helicopter when the monocle's on and so um wh- why no one knows why well maybe he's just screwed up in the brain maybe his daddy didn't love him when he was growing up no it takes sean young's character to like 
make him pretend that he's playing cowboys and Indians so she can see how he closes one eye to discover he has eye dominance. Oh, don't forget oh. that. Yeah, in, in doing so, I think, what does she relate it to sex or something like that? It's like sex. Hardly anyone gets it right the first time. That's right. What, so looking bad. looking at things? So, bad. So, we, so So we have this tutorial on eye dominance, how the left eye or the right eye can be dominant or not. Nate, in the and film then, industry, that's called exposition. It's like sex. Hardly anybody gets it perfect the first time. The bag is very intimidating. You heard? The whole base heard. I blew it. Jake Preston's super pilot blew it. What happened? I couldn't keep the data in my right eye in focus. My left eye kept taking over and screwing things up for some reason. You ever shoot a gun as a kid? Play cowboys and Indians? Yeah. Shoot me. Why? Shoot me! What you're talking about is not a flying problem. It's an eye dominance problem. What do you mean? Eye dominance. We all have one eye that naturally takes over. We get used to using it without even knowing it. My dad always shot the way you just did. He was right-handed and left eye dominant. So if I was left eye dominant... You'd have a hard time accepting data from your right eye. But you can learn. Yeah, and it's called a pile of crap in this movie. And it's just the worst thing ever. It's like this... It's like they had to make up an issue for him to overcome that's not really an issue. It's only an issue because they tell us it's an issue, and the way they solve it is just so lame. Yeah. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing. So he has this issue, right? And What's the issue? I dominance. Hell yeah, it is. And he's like, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So he finds Little in a grocery store buying a lot of cans of of Campbell's soup. Of soup. A lot of cans. I Too many be, cans. I actually. wouldn't be surprised if Campbell's was a sponsor of this yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of cans of soup. And, you know, he's like this tough punk dude. And Little's there with his kids buying all the soup because that's all his wife can make is soup. And and he's, you know, Preston is trying to be like, you got to help me, man. You got to help me pass the bag. You got to help me fix my eye dominance problem. And Little is basically like, nope. You pass it you pass it or you fail it, and if you fail it, then you flunk out. Nope, I'm not gonna help you, right? Like he's just really cut and dried with him. And then after an intense fudgesicle eating scene with his wife, I liter I mean that literally. That he is eating a fudgesicle in the worst possible way it, I've ever seen anyone eat a fudgesicle. Ben, talk about that fudgesicle. That that fudgesicle, man. What a, what a distraction in this scene where he's sitting there talking to his wife. A very serious conversation, very right? Sober. Very, very serious. Sober. He's very sobering, and he's got chocolate just smeared all over his lips <laughs> and like, in his teeth. And, and he's, he's taking teeny tiny mouse And bites. he's just kind of like, like you know, smearing the the ice the, the the fudge sickle all over his his mouth. It's not going in the mouth. It's like he's everywhere. Talking, he's talking about how well this young pilot could do and how much is on the line and how many crack babies can we prevent and just like chocolate like he's a three year old. And it's like not- he's never like he's never eaten a fudge sickle before. And then and then when he's done his wife says, honey, it's time to come to bed. He's like, well, can I bring my ice cream with me? Like, I I don't understand. Yeah. Well, so, let's go back real quick because um, I, I thought of something. When you were talking about the scene where, where Nick Cage is in the, the grocery store with Tommy Lee Jones, 
he's wearing his sunglasses in there, right? And and I noticed this throughout the film is there are several scenes where where he's wearing his sunglasses probably a little bit too much. Like you don't see his eyes, and maybe there's a reason for that because you know his eyes are so deadpan throughout I, well, most of the they're, film. They're a, his eyes are very powerful sexually, Ben. <laughs> yes, they didn't want Tommy Lee Jones to get drawn yeah, into they had to, they had Nick Cage's eyes. It's, it's a one, dampening effect. Yes, one stare, and and you're a goner. <laughs> so no, yeah, I, I was just I was just saying I found it fascinating that they chose to keep. Uh, Nick Cage's sunglasses on through so many scenes within the film, well, especially towards the last I, I, You know, I noticed that too. And who else do we know that wears really cool sunglasses like that? Tom Cruise. That's right. Another, I mean, this movie, can we all agree that this is just a shameless retread of Top Gun? Yes, for sure. Right. And and I just think, I just think that they're trying everything they can do to say, hey, remember that movie? Remember that movie? This is just like that. It's funny like that. And it's silly like that. And it's just not. Yeah, well, they, they totally agree. tried to market it like it was going to be another to- uh, Top Gun. And it fell flat on its face. Well, guys, meanwhile, we got an eye-dominance problem to solve. <laughs> <laughs> I dominant. Now, now, okay. So I here's what I'm thinking, Britt. I'm thinking optometry. I'm thinking medical science, and I'm thinking just some some uh, some normal occupational therapy. Ben, what do you have in mind? Panties. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> when when I think I dominance, I think red panties. <laughs> I mean. Obviously, that's where that's where we all go to first. I mean, I, I should have said that. That that's a given. Yeah, they they strap his head, panties for no reason. By the way, panties for <laughs> like, no reason. Literally, it could have been he didn't need it. Well, it could have been a bandana, but they strap his head with some sort of periscope contraption, and then get him to drive a jeep. Well, and then they cover his the rest of his head and his other eye with the red panties. Right, so he can make his other eye stronger, I'm guessing, but they never say that. They never say that's exactly what they're doing. And I'm pretty sure, Ben, you can back me up on this, that driving a Jeep is exactly like driving an Apache helicopter. Wouldn't this be better if we were all blindfolded? Well done. I lost just a little bit of control there, but now everything's cool. Another right turn coming up now. 90 degrees to the right. Now! No, no. In the ditch! Yeah, there's no difference. Same, same. Right? Yeah, you've done one, you've done the other. Just really ridiculous, right? I'm not not crazy. Yeah, and he's driving all over the base, making wild, crazy turns with red undies on his head, and drives past a general, and the general's wife leans out of the car window and says, That's red panties! Like, we don't already know (laughs) that those are red panties. Again, it's just a shameless attempt at camp gone horribly horribly wrong they might as well have some sort of banjo music in the background as far as i'm concerned it's so bad but it works yeah it works and he's cured in about three minutes of his eye dominance issues and actually the overcoming eye dominance montage is the only montage we get in this entire movie which is a shame it's or is it an intentional choice it may Meant be to highlight the uh, dangers of eye dominance but i'll tell you now that both of his eyes are strong and virile, I told you, I told now I have this working theory that Nicolas Cage's eyes in this movie are very, very powerful, you know, aphrodisiacal instruments. And 
I, I, I say this because what happens as soon as both of his eyes are very strong? Well... Oh, they get back together. Yeah, he goes to tell Guthrie. He goes to tell uh, Billy Lee, hey, I passed the bag. And she's, you know, engaging in a friendly friendly game of one-on-one basketball with her only female co-worker. Because girls play sports too, okay? They do. Look, here are two of them playing basketball right now. They play sports. It's totally platonic, totally healthy. And he tells her he passed the bag, and she says, well, I'll go celebrate with you. And we think they're, like, going – I thought they were going to a bar where she was, like, going to buy drinks, and then maybe they drunkenly, you know, have the sex. But, oh, no, she's got some serious getaway planned. Like, they go to a Tuscan villa. In the middle of <laughs> the desert, Arizona desert. And I say Tuscan, I mean Tuscanian. Tuscan. Arizona, you know. That's a word. Well, this was, you know, I mean, this was the scene, right? That the that that moment when we see all of a sudden them just out of nowhere go from, oh, you know, I don't want anything to do with you, to now, oh, yes, I'm gonna fall right into your arms, and that's exactly. She falls from his arms to his bed, <laughs> and it is possibly the worst. It's really silly sex scene i have ever seen i mean just cut it out it's silly like it's so bad you can argue about sex scenes in movies all you want to but this isn't even there's nothing there's nothing good except she's got a really nice big smile on her face oh it's so oh it's just it makes it even more awkward it goes on and on and and there's like red lighting in the background it's so awful well so they finish having the bad sex and now she's like giddy as a schoolgirl with a spring in her step, and she's silly with him, and they're chasing each other around the car over who gets to drive, and it's so it's, she's just turned it on. She's like a switch. She had it all turned off, and then she just turned it back on. It's very strange. After they after they get the romance out of the way, uh, they can get to the action. All right. So in the training, every you know everyone's gearing up to take on you know the South American drug cartel, and Billy Lee thinks she's going too. Well, she is going. She's on the mission. Well, she thinks she's going, but I think Nick Cage has other ideas. Yeah, Jake is not not best pleased that his little woman is going to go fly her scout helicopter down and I And I think more than any other time in this movie, this is really where we see this kind of like, um, I'm not going to say backwards, but this kind of like very old-fashioned, macho, kind of arrogant, like you're a good pilot, but not in combat idea comes into play. And it really does seem... I think old fashioned is is the best is the best way to put it. Yeah, but but Nate, I mean, you know, he gets in front of her and he yells at her at the top of his lens. He says, "I care about you," you know. I want to talk to you before I leave. I've got a lot to do. We can talk on the flight down. What do you mean on the flight down? On the flight to South America. How the hell did that happen? I asked, and AK cleared it. They allowed you to go into combat? I don't believe I'm hearing this. Billy, wait a second. Oh, you think it's fine for me to be a pilot as long as there's nothing at stake? But a dangerous mission, no way. That's only for men. Thanks, Jake. I have my orders. Why is it so hard for you to understand that I just don't want you to get hurt? I chose this career, and you, my friend, are going to have to accept it. My friend! He raised the notch in front of her to like ultimate cage that right at that true. moment. That you is know, true. you and saw Cage go air, to the he red karate line. kicks the air in frustration. Oh, so <laughs> mad. Now he does karate kick the air. And so, you know what? I think his misogynistic ways of looking at the world are warranted. <laughs> Absolutely. That's because we get the karate kick. 
And so they head to the Catamarca Desert in South America. Yeah, we hear all the um, all the cartel leaders are going to converge on this one spot, and we have 24 hours to get down there. I don't know if that's physically possible to get everything down there in 24 hours, but uh, they, they set up base. They set up base. They're out there in the middle of a desert somewhere. Uh, they have their camo set up all over their aircraft, and they're, they're getting ready to, to head out. And it seems like, you know, when, when they're going over their mission and starting to get prepped up for what they're going to do, out of nowhere, nobody, there's there's nobody watching the skies. There's nobody monitoring yeah, the, just the this, uh, just perimeter two, there. There only, appears to only be two pilots really doing anything. Yeah, and that's these Preston guys, Little. These guys are little... patrolled by Eric Stoller people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't you wouldn't you have one guy with a pair of binoculars just looking around? And it's just a helicopter. You, just I mean, to it's, say that you did, right? It's, just it's, to say that right. someone was looking. And they're just walking around talking, saying, aw shucks, and you're so great, no, you're so great. Let's and, you be know. American heroes together. Gosh darn it, soldier. I was I was pretty and out, I was pretty arrogant with you. Out of was, nowhere, out of nowhere, everything explodes. You got chops you hadn't even begun to dream of yet, kid. Just relax. Your instincts and your training will take over. Count on it. You had a brilliant teacher. You know, I've been pretty arrogant with you. I mean, I'm vain and I know I'm great, but you're definitely the best. No, you're better. Can't learn anymore. You can. Every time we went up together, I kept thinking, damn, that kid, he is good. How'd he figure that one out? You're a natural. You're a natural. You got a lot of talent. How about that rollout you did during the fly-off? Man, I had you dead. Nobody but you could have done that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm not a genius. You know, I joined the Army for the same reason you did. That's to kick ass, just like in the old war movies, you know, be a hero. That's what I'm looking for in you. First class, all-American hero with his heart and brain wired together, cooking full tilt boogie for freedom and justice. Okay? It's the oldest, corniest story in the whole world. By God, this could be a happy day. And that was one of the better parts of the movie. Like, now there's a reason to watch, so... Their base gets attacked and everything blows up and they all have to run. And one guy, one guy gets blown up and his body flies through the air fully intact. But when it lands and hits the ground, somehow he manages to lose both his arms and is instantly dead. I think this is the only blood in the in the film. And it is, and it is uh, you know, one small, gruesome shot of, of a guy on the ground. And that's that's what it takes. You know, now we got it. We got to get action. So now all of these pilots are running to their helicopters. They're trying to get up in the air and everybody's up. Tommy Lee Jones is down there, too. He's down there in an Apache. They're all going to go try and find Eric Stoller who I am bound by law to name both first and last name. <laughs> and so they're going, and she's in her little scout helicopter scouting things out and looking around, and what does she see? Oh, that she sees a satellite. Yeah, let's destroy their satellite. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, oh, no. Eric Stoller's found me. Eric Stoller's found me in a scorpion. Eric Stoller, Eric Stoller. Quick, quick, Eric Stoller. And Because her scout doesn't have any firearms. It doesn't have any weaponry. So she's just, like, sitting pretty waiting and I think at one point she even says, you know, they're they're all like, I'm coming to get you. And then Preston's like, I'm coming to get you, honey. You just you just keep them off your tail. Maneuver. And at one point she says, Jake, come and save my ass. And I just thought, come on, lady. With all your big talk exactly. about being a, exactly my point. Pi- a pilot. Exactly. So Women, right? Billy Lee gets taken down a couple pegs in my book. She gets some feminist points revoked. So one, the one notable thing that happens, I mean, 
like I said, I kind of do like some of the the shots that are gotten in this aerial battle. You know that they got cooperation from the government. They got all these Apache helicopters. I think they look great. It shows the lengths of what they can do in an aerial battle. I actually thought that was really cool. And as kind of just like a dude, I'm just like, this is really neat. I want to see more of these helicopters because it's really cool. I, I kind of felt like Ben must have when he was a kid and watching this movie and how cool that was. I genuinely felt that. Yeah, I, I think seeing that again... Even though, you know, looking at at the film, after seeing Nicolas Cage and all of his other films, I think probably since, or a lot of them, um, you know, I can still say that the helicopters are awesome, and it is a really cool thing to be able to see them in action in this film. Now, Tommy Lee Jones goes down. His his uh, his Apache helicopter. Well, Eric Stoller. Oh, yeah. Guns down their rudder. Who's Eric, who's Eric Stoller? Eric Stoller. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Eric Stoller flies the Scorpion. Yeah, I, I love it. Scorpion so, attack so, helicopter. So uh, Stoller gets him. No, he, Eric Stoller. Eric Stoller gets him. He goes down, and um, and Billy Lee goes down to check on him to see if anyone's alive. His co-pilot died. His his gunner died, but he's alive, but he's stuck. Well, both his legs are broken, so right. he's, he's going nowhere. And so he proceeds to explain to her how she can basically turn one of the high-grade missiles attached to the Apache helicopter into a rocket launcher. Go to the asteroids compartment and get the grip stock in the BCU! What?! little cigar box looking thing with a pistol grip on it, little round thing, looks like a coffee can. You got 20 seconds, man! Grip at the ground off the cigar box. Hinge the cigar box onto the missile. There. Okay. Wrap it up. Pop that latch. Very good. Open up the side frame, the square thing on the side. Good. Turning inbound. No shit. Put it on your shoulder quick, 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 quick. Pull down the metal looking thing with your right thumb. You are now activated. Hide your ass. Now, Ben, Ben, you're a you're a military man. Uh, you've seen a and lot. Therefore, I'm an expert in all things military. Right? I don't I don't think that's how this works. <laughs> I don't think so either, Nate. <laughs> from my experience, from my limited experience of putting together rocket launchers from uh, excess parts. I mean, how many times? I mean, if you've assembled one missile into rocket launcher, you've assembled all. Right. I think they're they're launcher. the same thing. I mean, really. Yeah. It's, it's... No, I think she would she would probably be obliterated. She would probably fly a hundred feet backwards and there is no way she could hold that thing steady and actually get a shot off but she gets a shot off and she takes down an advanced russian fighter jet which is pretty pretty cool yeah i mean she's standing on the ground and he's firing at her and tommy lee in his tommy lee glory is using words like put the thing that looks like a coffee can into the thing that looks like a cigar box and i'm like since when did this become some sort of old-timey i don't even know if she movie? knows what a cigar well cigar and she's box running is, around like know? a chicken with her head cut off and we both i think we all observe that she has had military training she doesn't know the components of this aircraft she can't he tells her all the real names in the beginning and then he she goes what so Billy Lee, and then he has to tell her it's a coffee can and a cigar box. It's like, that's the only way she can now pull the lever on the cigar box. Now do this to the coffee can. Yeah, he it's pretty bad. keeps talking about it. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, it's not good. Poor Billy Lee. And she's like, oh, oh, hi, it's just, Kelly McGillis would have had none of that. I, let me just say, she would have stood for none of it. That's how I feel about it. We're at the end of the movie, and what you think is going to happen is going to happen. Cage. What happens? What happens? Um, 
Nicholas Cage dies. <laughs> Oh. No, not, that's exactly what I thought. Not, not really. Does no. a mountain fall no, on him? No, he he pulls a really kick-ass maneuver, and like what he he uh, he gets the he gets the drop on Eric Stoller in the Scorpion uh, helicopter, and uh, he just rips him to shreds. He blows him away, and and afterwards he's like, "That's for Dobbs." And we all looked at each other, and said, like, "Who the who? hell? Who's Dobbs? <laughs> who is and Dobbs?" And then we think we think that Dobbs is the guy that died way at the beginning of the movie, yeah, probably yeah. that Eric There's, Stoller took down another another just great this is this is the climactic scene and this is the first thing you're gonna utter when you when, when the entire movie culminates and it's this kind of obscure thing of like you don't even remember it's one guy of the 10 guys that got killed on his first mission in a microcosm that is what's wrong with this movie it's just not a good story not well told and no connective tissue um holding the whole thing together it's really really sad that Cage is a part of this, to be honest with you. Sad I, or just fantastic for us? Well, <laughs> we'll get to that in ratings. So they kill Eric Stoller, and then they have to go pick up Billy Lee and and Brad Little, and so they go up in the medevac, and they go out there, and Bradley's all bandaged up and getting on a stretcher and telling him he did a good job and we're American heroes and, and the A-OK he's gotta give the he gives them an A-OK instead of a thumbs up which seems very strange to us and then you know the medevac chopper takes off can I just say one more thing right before <laughs> sorry right before Cage uh, kills Eric Stoller he says this is, my, this is a good line I'm gonna kill him now! I'm gonna kill him now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's state the obvious here. Oh. I'm I'm gonna kill him now. <laughs> oh, this is great. That's, That's reminiscent of some of the lines though, because like when he gets in the bu- in the bag earlier, he said, Oh, it's dark in here. <laughs> Just yeah, classics. Yeah, Those anyway, are classics, man. There are now there are some some great lines in this movie and uh some lines that I will probably be returning to. Brad Little, Tommy Lee Jones lifted away in the Medevac chopper, leaving us with Jake Preston, our fearless American hero, and his girly girl co pilot, Billy Lee. And how does this classic helicopter movie end, gentlemen? <sighs> With a beautiful scene of pure beauty. I mean, I think. I, I, I mean, I teared up a little. Well, you did it. We did it. Okay. We did it. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Since when? I'll give you a ride home. Great. I'll drive. No, I'm going to drive. No, I'll drive. Jake, it's my helicopter. I'll drive. No, 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 no. I drive. As they wrestled over the keys for uh, who's who's going to fly the, the helicopter oh, away. Oh, it's my helicopter. Know. I fly it's, it. No, no I'm flying. And then it's like end credits, upbeat, peppy music. Everyone's like happy. Hugh Phil Collins. Hugh Phil Collins, right. Now, when Top Gun ended, at least Maverick had a moment of sobriety and somber reflection on the on the deck of that aircraft carrier where he throws goose's dog tags into the water like i did it for you buddy and then you're like yes yes you did you brought it home yes we are all there this is like you're finally saying goodbye to your friend not so here not so here it's like and 
Do, 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 do. Ending. Yeah, we killed Eric Stoller. Another wacky adventure. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it, went, it went way goofy. It, yeah, was, it, it was just did, ridiculous. It did. But that's, uh, that's how that ended. That's, and that's, uh, that's Firebirds. Wow. The original title of this movie is Wings of the Apache, and I think that would have been much better. I, I wonder, do Apaches have wings? <laughs> I think that would defeat the purpose of a helicopter, but that's okay. Uh, we will be back right after this song. It's going to be Phil Collins or something that sounds just like him, and we will return with our ratings and our rapid-fire questionnaire. classic Firebirds starring Nicolas Cage. The 1990 masterpiece. The epic genre-defining film Firebirds starring Nicolas Cage, Tommy Lee Jones, and Sean Young. We hope that you enjoyed our review as much as we enjoyed making our review. And now it is time for our ratings. Okay, I will ask... uh, and we'll start with our guest. Ben, again, thank you for coming. Um, really awesome that you were here, and I think you added a lot. Oh, thank you very much I for give, having me on. I give you four stars, buddy. Oh, thank you so I know, much, Nate. I know. So, Would you call him your gun bunny? <laughs> was it gun bunny? I think it was gun bunnies. Gun bunnies? Hey, gun bunnies. All I don't right, know if it was bunnies. gun bunnies or gun sure, buddies. Sure, I'll call but... you that from now on, Ben. Uh, that won't be weird. So, uh, Ben. This movie, Firebirds, as a work of entertainment, zero to four stars, what do you give it? All right. So I think the helicopters are awesome, and the helicopters alone give it at least a star, and that's where I'm at. Wow. Yeah. The helicopters. Oh, and Tommy Lee Jones. Helicopters and Tommy Lee Jones. Tipped it. I'll go 1.5 just to, just to do that. I can't right. go any more than that. 1.5. Britt, where are you at? All right, listen. Was this a well-made movie? No. Was it fun to watch because it was adventurous? No. Was it good, unintentional camp? Yes. And for that, I give it three stars. What? Wow. Yes. Oh, Hilarious, no. fully entertaining, bad, good bad movie, good bad movie, yeah. so bad, yeah. I'm, so Brit, I am, funny. I'm closer, I'm closer to where you're at than where Ben's at. I give it a 2.5. I think that uh, 
Tommy Lee Jones was great. I think uh, I really thought the helicopters were really pretty badass. And um, Nicolas Cage has a few moments, a few lines where I'm just like, there's my guy. There he is. He's really, he's shining through. He's, he's kind of rising above and then he ducks his head down below. But I, but was, was I entertained? Sure I was. I like, would I watch this movie again right now after we're done recording? Hell yeah, I would. No, uh, I just, I, I, I thought. Would you really, Nick? No, not really. No. But, okay, so but we, But we own it now, Britt, so <laughs> we'll just. We're we'll, going to screen it. We'll put it in the It'll pile. It'll be our summer time but movie screening i don't know would i have been as entertained if i wasn't a fan of nicholas cage i don't know but uh i i was entertained tonight and i'm glad we watched it and so i'll give it a 2.5 all right now ben what about now ben your ratings don't count on the ongoing <laughs> well cage cast they're a right. guest, you're a totals, guest raider but right. you are a guest raider artistically where would you rank this film from zero to four um can we go negative Wait, wait, wait. New territory we never have before. Because you're only a guest, I will allow it. As a guest rating, I I did not see any bit that was artistic in value. I mean, I think, oh, okay, no, okay. I'll take that back. The opening sequence of the helicopters coming through the sun sunset, that was art. I mean, that, that's... You know, okay, so we'll give him that one moment in. Uh, uh, so what do you think? Point five. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna be harsh, man. Brit, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think that they basically tried to remake Top Gun a few years later, and did a terrible job, and there was nothing of artistic merit really. I know that you like those helicopter scenes in the end, and they were okay, but. You know, it, it was not the state of the art. I, I was not gripping the edge of my seat, or to, you know, for those. There, there was nothing. I will give it a one. I'll see your one and raise you one point five. And that's yeah, that's as high as I can go. I wow. there I really loved the stuff with the helicopters. Not the editing, but the shots. I really thought they were great. I thought they were well photographed. You gotta imagine it was really hard to get all of this material to get it looking so good, so sharp, so steady, midair, you know it's being shot from other helicopters. I think just by virtue of level of difficulty, I will give it a one point five, but that's <laughs> but that's it. You're a generous out of man. four? No, that's not okay. I don't think so. That's think, almost half. No, because it was starting at zero, so it's half would be two. Sort of, <laughs> but not really. Two and a two and a. I would say if you count zero as an as an option, then two and a half would actually be in the middle. All right. Okay. I think one point five. Ben, how about? Oh man, I can't even say it. Nicholas Cage's performance. Okay, so Nick Cage against Nick Cage here. You know, I think we do see one or two moments when Nick Cage actually does loosen up and uh, does something in the film. And we got to give him some credit for that. But I think, you know, you guys have said it. You looked at some of the, you know, the films he's done even before this film. Uh, It's not just him dealing with, you know, kind of new parts of his craft. I I think really he just you know, puts in a pretty poor performance. So I'd have to give him a one on this. Yeah, I would agree. I'm giving him a one. He just, it's, I don't want to say that he's phoning it in because 
I think generally speaking, he doesn't phone it in. But he's not trying very hard. I think his performance is very erratic. It goes from being extremely leaden and wooden in the beginning to a little bit sleazy and maniacal to, and none of it hits there's not he does not strike a single note except for maybe the the quick fight that he has with billy lee on the tarmac and you know maybe one or two other moments where he's just being loud but i wouldn't call that a performance yeah i give it a one as well a few flashes of something exciting you know it, it might be i know it was a very intentional choice for him to move into the action genre he wanted longevity in his career and so he saw that action movies as kind of being a universal language that would that would span the globe that would span different cultures like everyone loves a good action movie and that's why he got into them i think that yes this is his first action movie and it shows we're going to see him in movies like con air and the rock and really really well made action movies face off where where I think we're going to see a lot more of that action cage come through, but he is really inexperienced at it now, and it shows. And it's pretty, uh, it's it's kind of a bummer. So, Nate, where does that leave us for our um, our full rating of this film? Well, uh, your and my ratings combined give a combined total of 10 out of a possible 24. Oof. So not so good. Not so no. good. Um, it's definitely going to be in the in the bottom um it's, it's going to be pretty close to the bottom. We've seen worse. Time to Kill was worse. I would say The Boy in Blue was worse, um, but not much worse. I would agree. Alrighty. Well, those are our ratings. You heard it, folks. 10 out of 24 for Firebirds. Uh, to round us out here, Ben is our guest today. You get to give us answers to our CageCast running totals rapid fire questionnaire. So... Um, in every episode of CageCast, we look for key Nicolas Cage moments in every film, sort of hallmarks, if you will, that have defined his career over the years, and we want to know if they're present in uh, Firebirds. So I'm going to quickly ask you these following questions that you will respond with a yes or a no. Are you ready? Ben? Okay, I think, I think I can do this. All right, in the movie Firebirds, is Nicolas Cage a lady killer? No. What? Oh, I think he is. Well, wait. He thinks he is. He thinks he, he is. He thinks he is. So what? Yes. So what is? So what is true? So wait, wait, wait. I'm going with Ben on this one. He thinks he is, but he's not really. He's well, a, he, how does he it, get Sean Young with her terrible sex face? Because they wrote it into the script. <laughs> mm, I'm gonna go to the judge on the. Uh, Ben's wife Sarah is here. Um, Sarah, we're gonna we're gonna let Sarah, you decide. Final, final say. Nicholas Cage and Firebirds. No. Okay, that's a oh, no. You heard it here. He is not. All right. Does he get drunk or high? No, he doesn't. No, not in this one. Does he have crazy hair? Yes, he he still no. has. Well, he has crazy hair for an army guy. All right. Because I I would say his hair is not crazily styled, but it is dyed a deep, unattractive black. All right, we're going to have to go to Sarah on this one again. Sarah, crazy hair? Crazy hair, yes or no? Yes. She says she yes. Said yes. Okay. okay. Does he have a crazy voice, accent, or inflection? Yes. There are several moments in this. The British accent while he's flying. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. He does, he and does then throw maybe, that in. I a am couple, the greatest! And, I am the greatest! Oh, there's a few moments. I think he does slip into some Southern in a few sections, you know? Okay. Uh, so he definitely is all over the map when it comes to accents. Uh, do we see Cage Rage? Yes! We have seen real Rage of Cage. We have seen Vampire's Kiss Rage. Britt, I'm going to allow it. 
I say we see hints. Okay, I I, I know that that he can go just <laughs> crazy, fully. But there are a few moments where he yeah. does yeah. just tip the scale, and I think you know while it's not generous the whole again, film, generous. but cage rage is the kind of thing that you know when you see it. All right, does he punch or get punched? Yes, he yes, does. In the bar. Yes, in the bar. In Finally, the bar and... does he run with a flashlight? <laughs> no. Not yet. I... But he no. will, Ben. He will. He will. But he, will. he hasn't yet. We will have our day in court he with hasn't that yet. one. But, <laughs> but he, he will. I promise you he will. Yes. Has he done it yet? No, not yet. Not but yet. But, but, but we're, we're only 11 it. films in. We're only, okay. we got a long way to go. <laughs> it's on the rise. I gotcha. All right, take us out, darling. All right, folks. Well, that was our review of the 1990 film Firebirds. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We certainly seem to, even though we gave it a poor rating. Uh, Our next movie is 1991's Zandali, starring Erica Anderson, Judge Reinhold, and, of course, Nicolas Cage. Have you seen Zandali? What do you remember about the film? What do you think about Cage in the movie? Send us your thoughts, please. Send us your review and we'll get you on the air, please. That would be fun. Leave us a message by calling 3008-CAGE-OK. That's 330-822-4365 and leave us a message. Also, uh, please remember to go to iTunes and leave us a four or five star review. It would really help. Music this week can all be found on the Firebirds original motion picture soundtrack. And our theme song was written by Chris Cornell and Soundgarden and performed by Johnny Cash. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thank you guys very much for having me on board. It was a lot of fun. We'll be back next week, but until then, we leave you with a reminder that if it's your helicopter, you get to drive. He looks like he uh, looks like, uh, he looks like Eric the helicopter. He, is he Eric Stoller? Oh, we gotta find that out. <laughs> Hold on. Hold that on. guy looks like he looks Eric just Stoller. like Eric Stoller. <laughs> Director, miscellaneous. Crew, oh, this is the kind of stuff you find sound. out halfway in. You're no. like, what? But he oh, he directed a TV documentary about Phil Collins. Yeah. No, no, no. He just got interviewed. So, anyway, oh. still. Blue, be blah, yep. be blah, blue. That Woo! Was... Hot, 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 hot. Coming in hot, coming in hot. <laughs> it's, it's a little... <laughs> See, now, so you're maxing out a little bit when you do that. So just... I'm just chilling out, maxing, relaxing, and right, shooting some pool, uh, some b-ball outside of the school. Yeah, I'm going to turn you down a tiny bit. Keep talking. Turn me down. How's it going? It's... Good. Okay, that's all. Come on, come on. Come on, don't be dumb. Okay, sorry. Right. I, was, I was trying to think of something quippy and helicopter related. Well, don't do that. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I'm Nate Porter, and with me is Britt Porter. hey How's it going, Britt? It's good, Radio Land. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so we have a blooper now. <laughs> come on. Come on, darling. All right, again, All right. third time's a charm. It's been two. Hey, it's been two months. It's I know. Months. I'm Nate Porter. What? We have a guest. Oh, that's right, we do. Hold on, hold on. Don't be so excited.
they kind of set that up, right? And one climax uh, means uh, you can set up for the next one. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I'll cut that out. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> just the worst. This movie is just. And the way they solve it is just so retarded. Can I say that? No, don't, but don't still, say it. It's don't just say it. so. Are you serious, Britt? Or should I? I'm serious. Say don't it? say it. It's just so lame. 